0: Thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Knights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. quick if we have not had the pleasure to meet my name is Maddie um, I'm Jake's admin so you guys might have seen me kind of running around um, I'm usually cooking and doing dinner and all that fun stuff so you've literally seen me running around if you've seen me now we have been let me make sure this is good cuz I hear it hitting my good okay we have been in this series called I am and this has been an incredible series and Jake has done an amazing job with bringing these messages about who Jesus is and who Jesus says that he is. Now, I get the pleasure of going over Jesus' fifth I Am with you guys tonight. Now, I have a, a quote or a, yeah, quote up on the screens. So um, the quote is by C.S. Lewis, and I'll give him a little bit of an introduction first. So C.S. Lewis, how many of you guys have heard of like, the Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe? Hey, how many of you guys read it? How many of you guys only watch the movie like me? Hey, there you go. At least you're honest. So C.S. Lewis is this incredible author and writer. And he, I mean, if you want to talk about a man, like a human being, who can actually put into words what Christianity is, it's C.S. Lewis. Everyone in the church will tell you, go read C.S. Lewis. He gives you a really great understanding of not only Christianity, but God and other things that happen in Christianity. So there's my quote. Okay, so if God were good, he would wish to make his creatures happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished for. But the creatures are not happy. Therefore, God lacks either goodness or power or both. This is a problem of pain in its simplest form. And this is from his book, The Problem of Pain. It's an incredible read. I encourage all of you to go out and buy it and read it. I mean, it's just the way that he kind of describes pain and why we go through it is incredible. And you might be thinking, why did I put this quote up on the screen for you to read? Because I mean, just looking at it, it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect a Christian writer to have, right? So fun fact about C.S. Lewis. Okay, I guess first fun fact, his middle name is Staples. It's like something staples. Like, no wonder you went by C. S. Lewis. Anyway, so C. S. Lewis used to be an atheist. He was like a hardcore atheist too. And when he was an atheist, he got a very, very good understanding of how people who did not believe in God obviously saw God because he did not see God. And I I don't know about you guys, but I've been there and I have thought this same exact thing. And if not if anything, this is probably the biggest argument that an atheist will throw at you. Come on, I know we've all heard it, and some of you might have thought it. If there's pain in this world, how is God real? Why does God allow pain to happen if he loves us so much? Like I said, I know for a fact I've thought that. I've thought it many times in my life. Today, I get to have an opportunity to talk to you guys about pain. I know we're all excited right it's pain who doesn't like pain (laughs) anyway so today we are going to be in John chapter 11 so I'm gonna be reading quite a bit of of this like chapter so if you guys have your Bibles if you guys have your Bible app go ahead and open them up uh, because I really am going to be reading a lot from it and I really want to encourage you guys to read along with it uh, mostly so this way you can see that this is God's Word and not just my word okay so Pretty much what happens in, like, the first, I think, 7, 16 verses? Yeah. So in the first 16 verses, what happens is Jesus is out with these guys, and I'm obviously, like, very much dumbing this down right now. So Jesus is out with these guys, and this guy comes up to him, and he's like, hey, like, your friend Lazarus um, is sick. And he's like, oh, he'll be fine. Just give him some sleep, and, like, he'll wake up, and he'll be fine. And they're like, no, no, like, we don't think that this is what's actually going to happen. And Jesus is like, no, just trust me. Like, this is what will happen. He goes to sleep, he'll wake up, he'll be fine. Well, they come back to him and they say, hey, your friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and he is not gonna wake up. And they come back and they say, your friend Lazarus Lazarus has died. And in that moment, Jesus says, okay, let's go see him. So the time between the time of Jesus leaving to go see Lazarus, and actually let me back up for a second. So Lazarus was one of three kids. Lazarus was the son, and then he had two sisters named Mary and Martha. How many of you guys have ever heard of Mary and Martha? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, so Lazarus was the brother, Mary and Martha are the sisters. So in this time right now of Jesus leaving to go see Lazarus and to go visit pretty much his tomb, there is something going on with Mary and Martha and pretty much the entire family. Now you see, in Jewish culture, when a family member dies, the deceased was typically buried on the same day. Okay, so it's not like nowadays where you have to go through funeral homes and you have to go through like all this process and like you want to be buried or cremated and then it's like just all that stuff, right? they get buried on the same day. You die, you get buried. That's, just, that's it. Now, in addition to um, them getting buried the same day, the first week of them being dead is a deep grief, after, that pretty much what they call a deep grief, after a close relative's burial. So what this means is they would spend an entire week in this person's house or in a family member's house pretty much just mourning the loss of this loved one. And friends would come over and visit, they'd give their con- condolences and they'd be like, "Hey, like, you know, just support supporting the family." And this custom is actually called Shiva, and it literally means 7 days. And it's still practiced in Judaism today, and it's actually very helpful for the releasing grief. So that's that's what's happening. Shiva is happening. Lazarus, well, I don't know if it's really Lazarus or maybe it's Mary Martha's house. It doesn't really specify. Anyway, so they're at this house, Shavah is happening, and then Jesus comes in. So I don't know what translation you guys have. You guys might have like NLT, NIV, there's a couple different ones. I use CSB, which is Christian Standard Bible. I love it. I love this translation for this passage. And the reason that I love this translation is because it actually breaks down pretty much the verses and it gives title to certain um, areas in this passage. And this first title is called The Resurrection and the Life. So verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, how many of you, and just be honest with me, How many of you have lost a family member and you have thought that? You don't have to raise your hands if you don't want. But how many of you have lost a family member or someone close to you and you have thought, God, if only you were there in that moment, they wouldn't have died? I'm being real, I have thought that plenty of times. Plenty, okay? I've been to more funerals than weddings. So I have thought this plenty of times in my life. When you move on, or when we move on in the verse, Jesus told her, he said, your brother will rise again. In verse 23 I, I want you guys to remember this so martha said to him i know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me even if he dies will live everyone who lives and believes in me will never die alone do you believe this In verse 27, Martha goes on and says, Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. See, in this passage, we really focus on Martha. And what Martha does in this moment of grief is she runs to Jesus. See, she meets Jesus where he is at the second that he comes into town. And mind you, he doesn't come straight to the house. The second he gets into town and she gets word of it, she runs to him. And, and just think about it. Martha has all of this pain and this sorrow that is happening inside of her. But she still believes that he is good. She still believes that her brother will live again because of what Jesus has taught her. See, Martha had enough faith and understanding of who Jesus is to listen to his truth. And honestly, I think that Martha is kind of like the ideal of what people think, like, or how people think we should uh, respond to pain. I mean, like, I'm going to be real. Who doesn't want to be like Martha in a situation like this? I mean, like, your brother just died. You knew that the one person who could honestly save his life didn't, and yet you still love this person enough and you still have enough faith in them that you know that your brother is still gonna be taken care of. Even when you have all this pain, she is still able to go to Jesus and say, yeah, I'm hurting. Yeah, honestly, I feel like if you were here, my brother would still be here with us. But she says, even though I'm hurting, even though I'm grieving, I trust you. I trust in your promise. I trust that you are the resurrection, the life. She trusts him. And here's the thing, she believes that even in this time of pain, God is still good. She believes that God is still good in this horrible pain. And honestly, I mean, I think most of the time, like, we do want to act this way. We do want to believe, but it's one thing when, like, you wish you could be one way and then, like, you know, you're not actually that way. Like, I wish I was, like, super fit, but I'm not because I'm, like, a couch potato. So, you know, it's kind of like that. Anyway, so most of the time, that is not a reality. To go to God in these moments of pain and suffering and be like, yeah, God, I trust you. This sucks, but I trust you. Yeah, it doesn't happen that way. Like, if It happens for you, really, I feel amazing for you, because I wish I had that kind of faith. But it's hard, it's hard to have that that belief. And that's okay, because we're human. So we are going to move on into verse 28. Now this uh, passage in my Bible translation is titled, Jesus Shares the Sorrow of Death. I love this title. I think it was NIV or NLT. One of them didn't even break it up. Um, Another one was like some fancy wording for it. I can't really remember. But I love this translation of this passage breakup because it it states very clear what Jesus is about to do. He is about to share the sorrow of death. Now, just something to point out too, Lazarus was also Jesus' friend. he, He was friends with all three siblings, so it's not like it's just this, like, random dude, you know? Like, he had a relationship with this guy. He cared about this guy. So, verse 28. Having said this, she went back, Martha, and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up and quickly went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now see, Martha and Mary said the same exact thing. Said the same exact thing to Jesus, word for word, about if he would have been there, their brother would not be dead. But they said it in two very different ways. Martha went to him with this reassurance that God is still good and that she believed that he he would do whatever he needed to do for her brother. And see, Mary didn't feel that way. Now, I believe, and the way that this is said was as soon as Mary Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. Here's the thing. I believe that there is something happening right before this sentence that the Bible is not telling us. Okay? And here's what I mean. I don't have siblings. I'm an only child. Okay? But my best friend is like a sister to me. And if she were to die, and if something, if I would've known that somebody could've like, stopped that, I wouldn't go calmly to that person, especially that person knowing that they could've stopped her death. Like, if you have siblings, if you have a close friend like that, you know that's probably the truth, okay? So I don't believe that Mary just went suddenly. She saw him and she just fell and said, if, if you had been here. No, I think, honestly, I think Mary was like pissed, and I think Mary just went and said, you are the reason, okay? And I think she went after him. I know these boots are great for that, man. <laughs> oh, this is getting intense. Anyway, I believe that she ran to him, okay? And she probably said a few choice words, and that might be why it's not in the Bible, okay? I, she might have lunged at him, she might have been crying, she might have been throwing fists. I don't know what she did, okay? But if any of you are like me, when you feel this rage and you just keep going and going at something, and then when you're done, that's when you fall and that's when you cry, and that's when you break. And I believe that after all that rage came out, after all that anger and resentment came out, I believe that that's when she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now see, if you look back at who Mary is in the Bible, she's a very emotionally driven and relationship-oriented person. That's why I believe she wouldn't just go up to him all like, eh. You know, like, I don't believe that she would do that. I believe that she was, like, angry. And here's another thing, too. I believe that Mary felt like she was betrayed. Okay? Mary literally sat at Jesus' feet and listened to him. And she spent time with him, and she believed that he was good and that he would do whatever he needed to do to make sure that she was fine. Okay? And I don't know if you guys have ever been, like, betrayed by someone that you trust, or like here, what's a, a small little thing? So like when your parents tell you that if you like take out the trash and then you get like an extra scoop of ice cream for dessert, and then you go and you take out the trash and they don't give you an extra scoop of ice cream? It's never happened to me. Anyway, I never got ice cream, it's fine. Anyway, so this is what I'm talking about in terms of the betrayal that she is feeling. Now see, Mary went to him with this rage and after this rage, this is when she fell at his feet and she wept. And notice that they said wept and not crying, because there is a difference between crying and weeping. I know. So, verse 33. When Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and trouble. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. And it doesn't matter what translation you have, Jesus wept. And like I said, he didn't cry, he wept. Now this this little verse has so much meaning behind it. Because you see, in this moment that Mary had her toughest pain, Jesus saw that. He saw her pain and he lived with her in that moment. And he wept with her. See, Jesus knew the outcome of what would happen. Okay, spoiler alert, like Lazarus comes back to life I'm hoping most of you have heard it. Anyway, spoilers. Um, Jesus knew the outcome. He knew that at the end of the day, Lazarus was going to walk out of that tomb. And he could have very easily been like, you're crying for no reason. Your brother's going to come back to life. No, he didn't. Jesus sat in that moment, and he saw the pain that she was having, and he embraced that pain with her. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but there is something about having a friend that'll cry with you okay because i I can say this mary in this moment did not want to hear the truth okay and if you see martha ran to jesus because she knew the truth mary did not want to hear the truth and if you guys are like me you know when you are in pain the last thing that you want is people throwing bible verses in your face okay i don't care how good how solid your relationship is with god the last thing that you want to do is have somebody spitting Bible verses in your face. And especially if this, is, if this is your first time in church, okay? if you don't know God and somebody is throwing Bible verses in your face, I'm going to tell you what, that is going to send you running the other way. And I know that for a fact. So, um, but here's the thing. There is something about crying with a friend. There is something about crying with a friend. Now, I, I don't know about... Um, you guys, but here's the thing. I had a friend one time who was like the worst at throwing Bible verses, and it actually ruined our friendship. I I was going through a lot. I was still a really young Christian. I'd go to her, and I'd be crying. I'm like, hey, I'm really struggling with things. I'm really struggling with my mom right now. I'm I'm struggling with having to figure out how to do this stuff, and she would just throw Bible verses in my face. Like, she would throw them left and right, and it honestly ruined our friendship because I'm like, I, I, I've, I know what the Bible says. I read my Bible every night. I know what this stuff says. I don't need to hear it from you. You know, I'm crying here and you're throwing stuff in my face. I don't want to hear that. But see, my best friend now, I, I love her to death. I do. See, the first time that I ever cried with her, she not only held me, but she cried with me. She didn't have to throw stuff in my face. She didn't have to tell me all of this truth. No, no, she took my pain with her. She embraced my pain with me. And she wept with me. See, and this is what Jesus did with Mary. He knew at the time exactly what she needed, and that was not Bible verses. This is not the truth saying what he is, okay? He wept. Because Mary just needed someone to feel that pain with her, and that is what God did. Verse 36, So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Referring back to that verse, Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Again, I've said that so many times, and I know there are so many people in this world who have said that exact same thing. And honestly, there are times even good Christians think that exact thing of why did this happen? Why did God allow this person to die? And for a second, it's not just about people dying. Okay, It could be someone rejecting you like a parent. It could be abuse that's happening. It could be, you know, you have a family member that's forsaken you it can be a number of things. It's not just death. Now, there are times also that we see people that we love go through pain. And there are times that we go through pain and we always question why. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why is this happening to us? Now, I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but we as humans, we don't like pain, okay? But, and there are always three different types of pain, at least three different types, at least three that I'm gonna talk about tonight. See, we're also kind of weird creatures and the fact that sometimes like, we like pain and we embrace pain, I don't know where y'all minds are going, but anyway. So, here's what I'm talking about. How many of you guys like go to the gym, okay? I don't go to the gym, but how many of you guys go to the gym and you guys like get those weights and you put it on the barbell and you're like, yeah! No pain, no gain, baby. I got to get these glutes. I got to get these biceps, but apparently not these legs because nobody does leg day. I'm kidding. Some people do. (laughs) You do leg day. Anyway, there are times that we embrace the pain and we actually enjoy it. The gym and working on our physique is just one example. And see, I I believe that we're fine experiencing this pain because we see results. Well, some of us do, but if we, we, are, um, we are trained to believe that if we keep going and we keep experiencing this pain, there will be a result at the end. But here's the thing, it's something we can visually see. We can see what is gonna happen. And see, there are also times where we experience pain and we know that we need to avoid it, okay? So like, how many of you have ever like, put your hand on a hot stove and like, left it there? Yeah, none of you. Well, hopefully not any of you. If you do, then we need to pray for you. Anyway, the thing is, we know that if we put that, our hand on that hot stove, it is going to hurt. And it is going to hurt so much, you're going to have to go to the doctors, and you might have to get a skin graft and some other things. But this is a type of pain that we know we should not go through, because it's going to hurt, and there's going to be consequences to us choosing this type of pain. Now, There's also that type of pain that when we have that deep hurt, that unspeakable pain, that why did this happen to me pain, we do everything in our power to try to avoid it. And in fact, there are times that we try so much to avoid it that we avoid things in our lives that, so this way we don't have to experience that pain. So like, I'm just being blunt for a second. I, um, I'm actually like in therapy and I've done a lot of like brain retraining for a lot of like, um, past abuse and some stuff that's happened in my life. I hate it when my therapist has to like actually go into those memory banks that I don't want to go to. Like, I have PTSD, I don't like going into it because it sends me into this mindset, and I hate it, okay? And here's the thing, most of you might have some things like this, and you just don't want to go to therapy. You don't want to accept the fact that you might have an addiction of some sort. Ooh, or even my favorite, okay? A lot of you might be covering things to try and hide the pain, okay? Mine was porn, fun fact, I was a massive porn addict because I was trying to hide things. I was trying not to embrace the pain, or I was trying not to face that pain. Some of you, it's alcohol. Some of you, it's drugs. Some of you, it's shopping, yeah. There are so many things that we try and do to not feel this pain and to not come in face to face with that pain. But see, here's the thing. We all always have to come face to face with these pains in our life. We have to experience all of these types of pain. Now, just like every time we add weight to that barbell while we're at the gym, we get stronger. Every time you add an extra plate, You get stronger. You get the body that you want. But see, the same thing happens in our spiritual life. In our mental health. Every time that we have to face a pain that we do not want to face, it sucks. But we end up getting stronger at the end of it. Because here's the thing. No pain no gain, okay? And that, that goes for just outside the gym, too. No pain, no gain. Now, the next part of this passage, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to summarize it. The next part of this passage, Jesus asked to be taken out to the tomb, okay? And he literally tells Lazarus, he's like, hey, like, Lazarus, come out. Like, walk out. And guess what? He does! I already told you that ending, but whatever, he does. So, in order to for Mary and Martha to experience this incredible gain of knowing that Jesus is always with them and that Jesus will always take care of them. They had to go through this horrible, horrible pain of losing their brother. Because out of our greatest pains comes our greatest gains. And you see, God actually modeled this for us. And a lot of the time, we almost kind of get into this mindset that God never really experienced pain. But see, God experienced the greatest um, pain of all. Okay? He sent his son to die on a cross for you. Okay? I don't know if y'all have seen a like, picture of a crucifix where he's up. That's a painful death. Okay? And here's the thing. God knew the outcome. He knew that by going through this pain, the gain that would come for all of us was worth it. Okay? But just because he knew the outcome doesn't mean that he didn't experience this pain. Okay? If you actually look, I believe it's in Mark or Matthew. No, it's in Matthew. Jesus is up on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he didn't say it that calmly. He was screaming in agony. I mean, he was hurting. You think he didn't feel forsaken by his God then? You think God was able to listen to his son's screams and be okay with it? No. I, what parent is okay with listening to their child screaming in pain? Like, I don't even have a kid. I have a niece, and I hate it when she screams in pain because it's just heartbreaking. I mean, God actually had to turn his head on his son so this way he could die, so this way all of us could be saved. God went through the pain, so we could experience the gain. Now, here's the thing. We all need to experience pain. Sorry, I know it sucks to hear, but we all need to experience pain, okay? Because out of our greatest pains comes our greatest gains. Now, we've been going through the book of John, and we've been focusing on Jesus's I am statements, but the Book of John is not the only place where Jesus has his I am statements. In the Book of Luke, there's a story where Jesus goes up, or Jesus is walking through town, and a man with leprosy comes up to him. Now, for those of you who don't understand what leprosy is, it's pretty much like the COVID of like their time. And I'm not just saying that because we're in the pandemic or we were in a pandemic. I don't really know anymore. I can't keep up. I'm saying that because if you look at it, biblically, it's very similar. Okay. It says if you have leprosy, you have to stay like four cubic, I think it's four, four cubic like feet from somebody, which guess what? Translates into six feet. You cannot touch them. You cannot breathe the air that they breathe. You cannot go near them. Because if you go near them, you will get leprosy. It is COVID. I'm telling you, this stuff is biblical. I'm just saying, like, the resemblance of the, whatever. You guys know what I mean. Anyway, so just to give you that idea, it is like COVID, okay? And Jesus is walking through, and this man comes up, and I, I think he's pushing through. Because just imagine the pain that he's in. Just imagine the fact that he wants to get back to his life, Okay? And he goes to Jesus and I can just see people like flocking back like, oh, my gosh, what's this man doing? And uh, this man goes to Jesus and he says, God, he says, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, just heal me. He's like, God, please just heal me. And Jesus did something that shocked everyone. He touched the man and he said, I am willing and he healed him. Jesus touched this man with leprosy and he healed him because he was willing. He was willing to risk things to help this man. But here's the thing, just like God is willing to heal us, just like God is willing to take on those burdens, just like God is willing to weep with us, we have to be willing. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in any kind of like a relationship, friendship, a parent relationship, if you go to somebody and you say, hey, I'm willing to work on things, and they say, yeah, that's cool, but then they actually do nothing to work on it, it's not going to work out. It's just not. We have to be willing, and God has taken that first step, and he said, I am willing to help you. I'm willing to grieve with you. I am willing to weep with you. But we have to be willing as well and in the last part of that passage Jesus says himself he said did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God if we go out and as long as we believe that God is good we will see that glory and it doesn't matter how you go to God it doesn't matter if you go to God like Martha where you believe and you are confident in who he is or you can go like Mary and you could be screaming at him. You could be angry at him. He doesn't care how you come to him because he will meet you right where you are. He will meet you where you are. You don't have to go out and you don't have to meet him because he loves you enough that he will meet you and your pain and your suffering. And again, it, this is more, so much more than just the death of a loved one. This could be the first, you are forsaken. It could be you're struggling with an addiction. It could be so many things. No matter what happens though, God is good. And we have to be willing to go through that unbearable pain in order to see the best gains of our life. And you don't have to drink protein powder for that. You don't. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us. Um, And I know that this is a little bit different of a topic than what we've been um, kind of talking about. We have an amazing support team here at Anchor Nights. If you need prayer, please come and find one of us. Um, I'm actually gonna ask the support team just to come and stand up here real quick, just so this way everyone knows. If you need prayer for any kind of pain, anything that's going through, if you just wanna talk, we are willing to meet you. We are willing to weep with you. We are willing to support you in any way possible. So I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us. And then please, if you need prayer, come find us. God, I just thank you so much, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything that you've taught us, God. I pray that no matter what happens, God, that we remember that you are the resurrection, you are the life. I pray that as we go out and we deal with these pains, God, I pray that whether we react to our pain like Martha did and we run to you and meet you where you at, where you are at, or if we act like Mary and we run to you in anger, God, that you will meet us and you will love us, God. But I pray that at the end of the day, no matter how much pain we are going through, God, that none of us stop talking to you. I pray, God, that healing will happen because of you and because of who you are, God. I pray that hearts are being mended right now, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit is working within people right now, God, and I pray that they are able to come to you with these pains and these hurts and these habits and these hang-ups, God. God, I, I know you are good, and I know, God, that you love us. You love us so much that you are willing to go through this pain that we don't even want to face, God. You are willing to weep with us. You are willing to support us, God. And God, I I just pray for revival, God. I pray that as these people go out tonight, God, and as they sit in their small groups, God, that that all glory is brought to you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen.